Hi, my name is Sean Shaler. That's my friend Chris Ford, a.k.a. the Objective Geek of YouTube and Twitter fame. Welcome to Avatar The Last Podcasters. Very fun episode, in my opinion. In my opinion, they're all fun episodes. But we love a good ranking video. We were raised in the era of YouTube having top 10 and top 20 everythings. We love a good ranking video. That's what we have today. We're going to rank main... Got to choose my words carefully. We're going to rank main... Avatar villains. Is that a good way to say that? Avatar villains. No? Yeah? I didn't see. Did you move your head? You, Chris declines comment. Anyway. I was, I was playing this game here this whole time while you were. Is that a bop? <laughs> no, um, it was like a... You know, you match the color thing. Oh, anyway. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Thanks for being so engaged. <laughs> Ranking main villains. and throughout Ranking the, the big bad. The big bad. And then someday, listen, if you if you have questions or concerns about how this goes, first and foremost, talk to us in the comments. We love that. Second of all, we have immediately uh, developed another idea for a different, different take on a similar topic in the future. So we'll come at you from every direction. It's going to be great. It's going to be great. Yes, because me and Sean got into the biggest argument we've ever gotten in. We did. Ever. We nearly broke up. Nearly broke up. <laughs> Talking over text is hard because i just like, hey, Chris, I feel this way. And I know that you're on the other side. Just like, I feel this way. <laughs> We're both fine with it. But like if somebody else reads it, it's like, those guys don't get along at all. It's like, no, it's just it's how it looks when you type it. And I don't have bold and all caps in, you know, in Google Hangouts. So it's yeah. tough to. But. Uh, <laughs> Hey. It all came down to how how are we defining what the main villain of a season is or or how many there could be. So my criteria for coming into this is these are we are ranking anyone who is a main villain of a season or a book in the Avatar or a game in the Avatar universe. Yeah, um, we do have a game in there, don't we? Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Good choice. So not the villain. So there could be times where, you know, you'll see Zuko and Zhao in there. Like, they're both book one villains. And, and but they're, but neither one would kind of be defined as the main villain. Because they're both a main villain of book one. And, and uh, so me and Sean disagreed on, on that. But compromise in the future, one day, probably... And that's, I don't know, a couple of months or so. We will rank each, which Avatar season has the best villains. So, like, combining them. So, like, Book 3, Legend of Korra, I'm going to tell you right now, it's going to be hard to stop. Yeah, to stop. it is, man. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it is. Which, we'll, you know what, we'll probably, like, touch on that more as we get through this. But, yeah, like, what do you do against Book 3? But I have an idea, Chris. I have a thought on where the competition might be. And I'm sure you do, too. I'm sure you already would guess where my brain is at on that one. Um, mm-hmm. not Chris, great compromise, great explanation. I will also say that, frankly, like, let's be honest, book one for Avatar and thinking about who a villain is, is just kind of weird in, in book one specifically. It's a little different. Uh, and point two is just that Zhao ruins everything and he sucks and nobody likes Zhao. So, but, uh, Chris, I think you got, did you put 12 of them, I believe? One, two, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven. Yes, we can both count. 
and uh, 12. And then, as always, we'll do that watch mojo thing where we talk honorable mentions. If there are any applicable between 2 and 1, we'll go back and forth from 12 to 1. From least villainous main villain or least... Yeah, I'll stick with that. I want to say least interesting. I'll least villainous main villain to most villainous main villain. And I think my light just flickered off again. Let me check my mic. We're still recording? Chris, go ahead and say something. I am recording. Oh, yeah, we're doing uh, so I am. Listen. Okay, good. I need, I need a different uh, light bulb. That's all that means. Oh, uh, okay. Um, yeah, from least villainous to most bestest villain in the Avatar series. Yeah, and, and the way that I come about ranking them is just who I think was the best villain. I didn't put like a big criteria or broken down. In my head, I actually could. And I think I have in the past. Uh, before when thinking about this just to myself um but just like all right who is the best villain whether it means that they are menacing uh whether they are um tactful or formidable formidable um just all around who are the best villains i felt with yeah, as, as I was reading through your list, I felt whatever that criteria is that I might not be able to articulate it, but like I felt the criteria, like my brain understood the step by step logic. And Chris, the closest word I think that I settled on was just like most engaging as a villain. Like like they had the best the best reason to hook people watching the protagonists and cheering for the protagonists. And I'm still struggling to articulate, but just like the most engaging as a villain uh, was as close as I got to rationalizing the thought. Did I did I get close to capturing it? Yes. Hope so. Uh, but Chris, without without further ado, I think I think let's get started because I think when we get to the top, we're going to have some interesting discussions. Um, I'll take the evens. You can have the odds, so you can have the, the top one. All right. Then oh. I will take... Uh, no, wait. Uh, you go first, because you're taking evens. Yeah, I'll take the evens, so I will go first. Let me pull up my list on my phone, so I don't have to keep turning my neck. Uh, I don't know why I didn't do that, like, a second ago, because I wasn't thinking. Yep, keep notes. Great, great Android app. Uh, recommended by two out of two Android people on this podcast. Keep notes. Number 12, Chris, this this makes sense. It might seem a little unfair, but it does make sense to me personally, and that's Hundun, who is the uh, Hundun, Hundun. Um, he is in the games, in the video games, specifically the Platinum Games beat-em-up, and the 3DS game that parallels it. Uh, it's like a tactical strategy, but I don't think it's from Platinum Games. And he is the main villain of that storyline, and that is a Korra storyline in between Korra books 1 and 2, if I'm not mistaken. And books two and three. Oh, you're right. It is after convergence. You're right. Yes. Um, and I will say that it is a little unfair, but we have to go off what we have. And frankly, the biggest reason is like it's a video game, and he's the big bad. He's not really all that omnipresent, and he has fairly linear motives. Right? There's not a ton of interaction with him, and he has mm. pretty pretty linear, flat seeming motives. And mm. so, with apologies. Uh, because the the 3DS game is underappreciated for being like a two dollar game, and the Platinum Games, the PS4 beat 'em up, is a pretty solid game. He, you know, it, which makes me more mad. I'm sure, we'll get into. 
<laughs> it would be so easy just to make another good beat em up in an open world with some adventure elements. Oh, it's frustrating. Sorry. Another topic. Another day. Deep breaths. <laughs> so frustrating. Anyway, that's why Hundun is number 12. Yeah, I have nothing really to add. He's a pretty one-dimensional villain. He is probably the strongest or one of the one of the two strongest of the main villains uh, here. I'm gonna or one say, of the three I'm gonna strongest. Say he's, top, he's a top four strong. I don't necessarily know that he is number four, but I feel confident that he's top four strong villain. Yeah. That's fair. Yeah. So, hey, that's a calling right. card. That's good for a video game, right? He's, he's strong. It is. Go, go, yeah. Go kill him. Yes. Yeah. Uh, on the... Hmm. Somewhat reverse, at least when it comes to strength, is probably the weakest villain here. The source of uh, the main ones. Chris's podcast uh, relationship problems. This one, right? <laughs> uh, that is um, <laughs> the uh, the uh, very ambitious, the uh, ladder climber, Admiral Zhao. Uh, Admiral Zhao is honestly he, he's not a great firebender. In, in retrospect, like we probably thought he was a decent firebender in book one, but he lost to Zuko. We didn't know anything at, in book one. We didn't know anything. He lost to Zuko in the Agony Kai, and that's when Zuko was like terrible. Zuko, uh, he lost to Aang without Aang even throwing a punch. So, like, strength wise, he is not formidable at all. Um, motive wise, it's motive enough world domination type of deal. I would say this. And honestly, maybe I should have ranked him a little high because of this. The voice actor for him, great. Great job. Hey, Chris, uh, there's a tie to that that I would like to bring up, too. And so Ooh, okay. the only Zhao's only good characteristic, in my opinion, his only good characteristic as a villain is that you you hate him. And a good comp for that is is like Umbridge in book in the fifth Harry Potter book. Right. Is that you know that you're supposed to hate them, but God, you just do hate them, and that's that's the thing that Zhao does right. And then the tie is that the voice actor is the Lucius Malfoy, uh, voice actor, and also, what's the, what's the Mel Gibson movie, The Patriot? He's the bad guy in The Patriot, mm -hmm. also. Yes, he is. That's my that's my tie to get it, and that's you're supposed to hate Zhao, and you do because he's a douchebag. Sean, should I watch The Patriot or A Night's Tale? Night's Tale. Okay. I war movies. Uh, listen, fun fact about Sean: war movies, like serious ones, uh, whether they're like fiction or are there are movies. there comedic war movies? What's that? Are there comedic war movies? Well, I'm trying like, to. Yeah. I don't know how to put this right. Like, like serious, uh, uh, deep. Even if it's fiction, it doesn't have to be nonfiction. But even if it's fiction, but that those war movies, they give me nightmares, man. I'll have nightmares for like a day, uh, a, a couple, oh, okay. a couple of days. That's a, I don't know, weird thing about me. So I don't. I don't I'm really glad. Know. I'm glad you never had some list because if you get nightmares from that, you'll probably have uh, some other issues. Yeah, no kid, no kid. <laughs> so no, watch, uh, watch Night's Tale. Um, final thoughts on Jail as season one's villain. Uh, yeah, he, he's. I felt like I had to have him here because I do feel like he is. While Zhao is not 
that formidable. He is the overarching antagonistic force that is driving the plot in a lot of ways. Like Zuko's just chasing them around. And he's very, you know, good at that. But he's just chasing around while Zhao's like, alright, I'm I'm finding him. Actually he captured the Avatar. And then he's the one that's like, I'm going to wipe the water tribe on the face of the earth. Like he does have these overarching plans and he's leading them uh, a certain way. The argument that you made that 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 resonated the best with me, Chris, is I believe you referred to him as like the face of a villainy, right? When you think of the face of villainy in book one, what do you think of? And we had a couple answers, and that was, but that was a good way to to describe what Zhao is. He's he's the big bad in a Power Rangers episode, like a singular episode, right? He's not Rita Repulsa or Zordon. He's just the thing that they bring to life to fight. You mean Zed? It's a dumb thing. Oh, not Zordon Zed. Lord, yeah, uh, Lord Zed. Lord Zed. Uh, he, he's just the idiot thing that they bring to life to beat the Power Rangers, and it and that thing is an idiot. That's what Zhao is. I just, I just bought a uh, Dragon Zord action figure. Freaking nice. love it. Great choice. Uh, I also just bought a, I also just bought a Rita Rapunzel one. That's what I bought from uh, Venture Stock with your, uh, your. Oh, nice. Your yeah. Thingy. Uh, listen, some months there's like a coupon that I forget exists because I don't go to GameStop very often. So listen, just ask about a coupon next time. Maybe it'll be on there. And I and I did remember, I looked at your phone number right before. That way I didn't have to be like, oh, what's my number? Oh, oh wait, what's my phone? Something, something. I got a feeling the GameStop employee, not too judgmental. Not. not. I, was, I was like, boom, yes. It's da-da-da, da-da-da-da, da-da-da. This is going to sound mean, but when I walked into my GameStop, there was a person in there just kind of, uh, I'm, I'm saying talking to no one, but in the sense that he was talking to anybody who would listen, but nobody uh, really was, but just voicing his very mm-hmm. loud opinions about GameStop's new stance on physical games. Because I almost turned around and like walked out, right? I was like, I don't, I don't, do I need this in my life right now? But anyway. What is their stance on oh, uh, new game? Oh, how they Best... take the game out and stuff. And... Oh, no. Uh, Best Buy. Pardon me. Did I say games? I meant Best Buy. Pardon me. Uh, Best oh, yeah. Buy Best... going away from physical movies uh, in uh, in the near future. And then there is a strong likelihood, like in the very near future. And then there's a strong likelihood that they will go away from physical video games and stuff as well at Best Buy. It's really not news. And that was part of my issue with this guy proclaiming like important opinions on very last. Like, oh. Okay, like, yeah, they don't, that's not their bread and butter. Why? Okay. Yeah. So, anyway, um, number 10, Ozai. Chris, we talk a lot about Ozai. He, uh, you know, those things that we said about Hunden? Pretty similar. We just have more interaction with him and we have more ties to him, right? We, we know his, his, family members we and he's he's from book three we're, we're kind of tagging him as as book three specifically uh we have more of like a relationship with him as a villain than you get with hunden but the but the fact of the matter is that his motives for the majority of the series and even for the majority of book three are just like take over the world yeah. and yeah. Uh, he's a reasonably strong reasonably strong villain puts up a good fight just not terribly relatable or engaging and I think this is a good place for him. Yeah, I would say one of the things, he's very one-dimensional. Um, one of the things I do 
love about him is is that he's one dimensional. Like in this day and age, writers try to get too clever with their villains. Sometimes you just gotta have a you gotta just have a bad guy be a bad guy, right? Uh, kind of like. No, sorry, I interrupted. Yeah. Go ahead. Oh, no, you're... <laughs> anyway, just let him, you know, let a bad guy be a bad guy. Don't give him some like big, huge inspiration or a sad backstory. He's just evil. And sometimes, and the and the reason why I love that is because when you put the protagonists in the place where they go up against just real evil and they still overcome it. I think those messages are powerful. Like, I think about when Zuko stood up to his dad, being like, no, you're cruel. What you did was wrong. Like, when, when, when there's a little more nuance to that character, it, it just muddies that little water a bit. So, so I like Ozai and, and what he brings out of certain other characters. We don't have to feel empathy for Ozai and and as you have just described sometimes it's nice we don't there's no reason for us to be like well there's this kind of human and no he's just a bad guy Chris I also like the way that he is drawn uh, uh, literally he's he, that's important in villainy the appearance yeah. uh, he looks he looks like a big bad you immediately see that guy on the screen you're like that there he is that's the big bad good looking bad guy yeah, and it was, I would say this thing I love about him, though, and it, I keep saying it as if he's ranked high. He's ranked right where he should be. Yeah, it's a, it's um, a big list, you know. But man, when he when his face reveal happened, it was a holy crap moment. It was like, holy crap, we finally see the Fire Lord after all this time of getting, like, the claw treatment from Inspector Gadget, where all you do is hear his voice and see a silhouette here or there. Hmm. No, I agree with really cool. So yeah, appearance appearance plays a role, and he's got a good he's got a good looking one. So, in a scary way, well, also a handsome way. He looks like a handsome guy. All right, number nine. Also, you know the the Zhao, Anyway, number nine. Putting contention here for just being on this list is Prince Zuko. Granted, he is a good guy, but my argument here. Is that how can I and we as a Avatar community recognize that Zuko has the best bad guy to good guy arc in pretty much all of fiction and not highlight his bad guy part? Like he was the bad guy. Sure, like, oh, he knows a little something deeper there. But he burned down villages, he constantly mistreated people he was angry all the time he uh you know he he was he was in a lot of ways the uh the face of the, of the fire nation and we see that through Katara. like Katara sees his face and she's like that is the face of the fire nation the people who took my mother um and he was the type of villain that i think he, he was a great foil especially for uh, that age range um, and, and his ambitions. He has, man, maybe I should bring him high because his ambitions are really interesting. Like he's not trying to capture Aang because he felt like the Fire Nation should be rule the world. He was trying to capture him because he wanted his father's love. And you know, that's what makes him a great villain. 
but also what makes him his story even better. They found out that he didn't need his father's love. I understand the desire to rank him, to rank him higher, but when I look at the rest of the list, Chris, we're still talking about a. I mean, first of all, it's a really good list above him. Like, let's not overlook that fact. And second of all, uh, I did. I thought about it over the course of the day, and if I did, if you if you put me in a corner and I had to choose between Zhao and Zuko, actually, eventually, I was like, you know what, Zuko in my mind, is the bad guy of book one. He is the firemation manifest. You know, we've talked about it before mm-hmm. in the localized manner, right? He's not the distant fire nation. He's the, the clear yeah, yeah, yeah. fire nation. So in my mind, if I had to pick, uh, I would I would dump Zhao and I would say that Zuko is my main villain. Um, but as far as ranking him higher, uh, I, I don't, I don't like how that sounds because there is still a point, and this is important to me, there is still a point early on in season one where you're cheering for Zuko, and he's with Iroh, and you immediately like Iroh. And even our childhood brains have this, like, spark of hope for this person. And that, to me, does, like, I mean, it makes him a very engaging character that we love, but I don't, but it it prevents me from wanting him to go any higher, especially, I look at the list, like, some very well-constructed, actual long-term villains on there but as i've thought about over the course of the day i was like you know what? if i had to pick one i think i would pick <clears throat> i think that fits and feels right and he's a great what's the word to use i always forget that foil he, he's a he's a tremendous foil encounter tang in basically every way yeah oh, great choice great choice chris appreciate your logic that was the crux of our of our discussion about ranking book villains and that'll be a fun one later down the road Number eight is, uh, I think, a very fun one. Yoon. At first, you are empathetic to Yoon. Like at the end of the first Kiyoshi novel, and he comes back and he kills John Ju, and it's so cool. Such a cool scene to read through. Awesome. And in the beginning of the next Kiyoshi novel, you you are, are empathetic to him uh, through most of it even, and you just understand that he's like he's a lost soul and and it's gosh you really like him but then by the end of the book that last that last fight that last interaction mm-hmm. that he has with Kiyoshi like god that's both evil and cool and awesome and I love it and I hate that he has to die but I understand that he's, you know it uh, and so I think the reason that he's this low is because there is a lot of build up to him becoming like the villain that my brain remembers but the payoff at the end is is so gratifying, so good. Big fan of Yoon as the ultimate bad guy in the second Kiyoshi novel is where we're pinning him, for the record. Yeah, it's interesting. You know, I, I talk about Zuko of having the best bad guy to good guy arc, oh, and yeah. Yoon has a really interesting good guy to bad guy arc. He's a like he was. Uh, yeah, he was the Avatar. He had every intention of being the savior of the world and then that gets ripped from under him like his whole identity is shaken like we talk about Cora a lot and how she a lot of her self uh, self image comes from being the avatar now and, and you know and when those things when those separate little things that make up the avatar are taken from her it affects her in a, in a certain way never turn her villainous but she was definitely depressed um, that we had our own issues. 
Now imagine if the whole thing was just ripped away. Just like I thought, I knew my world. I thought I knew myself. The child. Mm-hmm. Yeah. A child. Chris, I think about this a lot. Yoon was so good at existing that he had people think he was the Avatar, even though he could not bend other elements. <laughs> you understand? Like he the Avatar, like the one requirement is he can bend all four elements, and they're just like, <laughs> yeah, this got to be him. Yeah, that's how good yeah. he was at life. Yeah, and all around good. He was a terrific bender. He was a a great mediator. Like he signed treaties, but they were worried that like crap. Like he he brokered so many deals at a young age, and and stuff. They're like, uh, what, what are we going to deal with when the world finds out he's not the Avatar? The gamesmanship that reminded people of Kurok, right? Like. He was so good at every part of being the Avatar, except for literally being able to bend more than one element. That he had the whole world fooled. And then, yeah, he get ripped from it. So he's a he's an extremely complex villain. And again, I think part of that empathy yeah. is probably what keeps him from being a little higher. Because we have other villains with like empathetic causes up higher, but they're clearly bad guys, but you legitimately just feel sorry for Goon for a good portion. And you also, and you also think Janju was like, Yoon is an orphan and Janju was the closest thing he had to a father. And his father just straight up was like, I don't need you. Him, like, you're basically. a fraud. I know he didn't actually uh, manage to kill him, but you're like, yeah, he basically killed him. Yeah. And then, and then Yoon, Yoon comes back. The spirit world survives this Attempted yeah, murder. Yeah, that says a lot. Yeah. That's incredible. Good for you. He tricks, he tricks Father Glowworm, and then freaking eats him, and then becomes you know a hybrid spirit thing. That's awesome. If he were, if he were a worse, like better motived, sooner person, he would be higher. I think it just yeah. given this. You know, it's interesting. Like he, like the Avatar is like the perfect balance. Between a spirit and a human, and Yoon is like the imperfect balance He's of a spirit inverse. and a human. Like, like there was almost like when Wan and Rava came together, it was like unity. It was like we are bonded forever. Like I love him, he loves they love each other. They are one being, and they both accepted each other for this to happen for the rest of eternity. You and Father Glowhorn's relationship was like, we are fighting here, and I finally got the one up on you, and I'm going to forcefully eat you and take whatever power I can from you. It is, I haven't thought about this yet. It is the exact opposite of the Avatar. Chris, that's also a pretty awesome, not to cut you short if you're not ready, but what a great segue to the, next, uh, to the next entry. Yeah. Number seven. And this is a weird one. I combine these two, Unalak and Vatu. I, I combine them because while there are two separate entities, they are in lockstep with the, with each other throughout the whole entire book two. Like there's no trickery. Like they're both in on it, and they both and they can also they combine to to be one person, Unavatu. By the end of the book, it is the same. Entity, <laughs> albeit one of multiple spirits, perhaps, or however you want to word that. I, yeah, this is another bad guy that, like, 
he probably should be he should feel more empathetic like in in his motives and causes but he's just such a clearly bad guy and that's again something that i in certain doses and contexts i just like i like knowing who to hate and the funny thing being like early on in the book too you don't really necessarily know that you're supposed to hate him or whatever but once you find out mm-hmm. that he's the bad guy and you just you you see him as a detestable person and sometimes that's refreshing in in a fictional story yeah for me the thing that that makes me rank him this high and i, and I can understand why some people wouldn't rank on the to that high but i love the the concept of like this there's an overwhelming evil in the universe and this this entity is the the spirit of darkness and chaos like when I think about what makes a good villain, I often think about how did the hero overcome it. When I think about Korra giving up, looking within herself to find a light in her, becoming a giant spirit and defeating the the manifestation of evil and darkness in the world. That's a that's a huge deal. Um, and you know, she did it without any past lives or anything. So, like that, that feat makes Unavatu even greater. I think it would be easy to let maybe my distaste for book two overall uh, taint my visage of of Unavatu. But what I like best about him is like just the sheer ballsiness of his power move like of his plan to literally become a dark avatar like it's kind of the most extreme idea yeah to this point that we've seen in the series that is mo- like you know uh ozai just like no i'm just gonna be real powerful at the peak time and that's when i'm gonna kill the avatar and then no unavatu i'm gonna be the avatar <laughs> going to yeah. yeah so uh the ballsiness of the power move creates a, a, a kind of engagement or creates against like, essentially the conflict you just described in a way that no other season quite recreates honestly not in the same way chris number six who do i got at number six? Oh, fun one unique one wow chai si zong do chai si right not yeah. not a bender essentially a savvy businesswoman <laughs> When I was making this, I was making this list. I was like, "Wow, I got her sits," and I'm not mad at that. She's not a bender. Well, she's never even held up a hand to anybody. Well, that's maybe part of what makes her an engaging villain. Is like, how did they make me hate this pregnant woman so much? You know, it's just a regular, regular mom. Uh, She's the antithesis (laughs) to Zhao. So Zhao's like a ambitious middle management ladder climber this is your like evil overlord self-starter um she's she's the successful antithesis to him she's so relatable and so effective in within her means of what she has and her goal we talk about a lot of like villain goals that feel empathetic or relatable or like yeah I, i get where they're coming from like hers feels almost reasonable you're almost like just let her have it just move on. you know what like, I mean? what's the like what's the worst that She's I mean there is worse like what people 
people people it, it is you know sure it was causing some imbalance within uh within the world or so people people were going hungry and stuff but like it almost maybe she was so compelling because that's not out of the realm of, of reality no it feels of like even even like the threat of force that doesn't I mean, it gets used, but not really. But, like, even that just feels like that's, like, a real scenario where you yeah. just be like, should we just let her have it for everybody's safety? Maybe they'll keep that guy around and he can be, like, you know, city security or something. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And also, she wasn't, like, opposed to people having better lives. She was like, hey, Yang Chun, we can work on your legacy, too. Like, you want to do all these things? I can, I can help you, I guess. <laughs> We both have responsibilities, you and I. You, uh, you got a job? I got all these fucking markers. <laughs> Still one of my favorite bits from John Mulaney. No, I think, well, that's what makes her so engaging, is maybe more than any other villain on the list. Like, she is evil. She was going to use, she's going to use, like, threat of force and violence and, and yeah. be a, a corrupt leader, essentially. But more than any other one, you're just like, eh, she's got a, you know, a pretty good play. <laughs> yeah. uh, and I loved how, oh, and I did love just how much in control she was, like, pretty much until the final, like, chapter. <laughs> she's practically a friend to Yang, not quite, but, like, almost a friend yeah, to Yang. That's the, that is the crazy thing. She saw herself as an older sister, almost a mentor to Yang Chen, which pissed Yang Chen off. Hmm? That's, awesome. That's such a weird saying. Like, if, if some, I have a mentor at work, and then she's, and she's like, oh, I thought of myself as your mentor, and I'm like, that pisses me off that you think you could be my mentor. <laughs> How dare you presume? <laughs> I think uh, she is engaging in a different, I'm looking at the list just to make sure. She's engaging in a different way than anybody else we have, in a totally unique way from anybody else we have on our list. Good for her. Good for you, Chisey. Yeah. Hope I'm saying that right. No bending. Only non-bender on here. Hard to hard to make the list. Oh, yeah. If, if there's, an all-out, there's an all-out fight between all of these, I still think she would beat Zhao. <laughs> Just with her brain. Yeah. She beat Zhao. Listen, Hunden might win that fight. Let's be honest. But anyway, let's go to uh, let's go to number five. Number five uh, is Kuvira, the book four villain. And the thing I love about Kuvira <clears throat> is that she can't be menacing. She has a freaking good point. Like I, until she got like really, really hungry about it, mad, power hungry. Um, she was. Kind of the perfect uh, mirror image of Korra in, in the sense of like, hey, Korra solves a lot of her problems through brute force and stuff. And then it's like Korra's, you know, realizes like, oh, crap, maybe I should not, like, maybe I should not solve my problems through brute force. Like, it was interesting when Korra and Kuvira first meet um, in book four. And like, Kuvira talks to her like, hey, like, I understand what, like, you were gone. Like, I have to take over. Like, I'm not going to let freaking Prince Wu take over. Like, 
that would be almost irresponsible of me. Wu needed this moment. Yeah. Um, also, I loved her introduction. Great freaking introduction. She was formidable through and through. Um, yeah. I don't think it can. My brain wants her to be higher out of respect for her, her plan and her process and her, her bending prowess. Uh, my brain wants her to be higher, but I don't see it. I don't see how it can. I don't see how it could happen, but there's just a there's a level of respect for for her combination of of yeah, I what what's the word we keep is like empathetic or relatable, respectable sort of underlying theme. Um what keeps her from being higher, Sean? What in her brain is the block? You know, she's not the most engaging in a personal way. Like it's even I guess her goal is a little bit straightforward. Not that makes it bad or whatever, but she's not personally engaging necessarily she doesn't have that i also think uh menacing wise she's probably not as menacing as the ones above this that's like when like this because because she and when cora talks to her it's it's just like hey let's talk when she's not supposed to be supposed to be a a leader she's she's a yeah she's a diplomat um yeah so maybe there's just like a missing personal element there that keeps her Lower on the. I'm fine with this. I I don't see how it happened. There's just, hey, she's an impressive, an impressive villain. Number four. Here's a great hot topic. This is where I feel like it starts to get spicy. Number four is the villain of Avatar: The Last Airbender, book two, which is Azula. We have picked Azula. You you get the 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 grand introduction, one of Chris's favorite moments in in that series, I believe. You get the grand introduction. You see a new bending power, essentially unlike any other. You've got her her motives, her the relationship that you develop with her based on who her family is and who you already know and don't know are man, as especially as a young person, they hit so hard. What what a tremendous antithesis to Aang. Um it just from like, but from still kind of an unexpected source in an extremely engaging way for a villain. She's fantastic. Yeah, uh, Azula is undoubtedly evil, but she's like undoubtedly evil in a different way than than Ozai. <clears throat> like you. You understand why she's that way. Like, she's been neglected her whole... I'm sorry. She has not been neglected her whole life. She's been neglected by the person who she puts so much weight and emphasis behind. She was not neglected by her mother. I don't care what people say. Her mother loved her. Um, and that's even, even even worse, that that she found her mother to be... Uh, that her perception... Of what her mo- what she thinks her mother thinks of her is so low. Just that psyche is uh, it's interesting. Um, one thing I love about Azula is she has some great lines of dialogue that I absolutely love. Um, she is a freaking boss. Like she she is menacing. Like there'll be just small details that she does. Like th- there's a fight <clears throat> that she does on the trolley against Zuko. Be like. Say these are her feet. 
right? <laughs> she she fire bends while holding with her feet while holding up her body with just her her arms. Like there are these little moments that shows off just how formidable she is and how effortlessly she makes it all look. She um, is so creative in her bending from what we see at that time. I'd say my one maybe lament is that we don't see book three, you get unhinged, Azula. You don't really get that in book two. But book two, you get a different kind of, you get like familial, manipulative evil, which to a young Sean is like the most relatable kind of evil. Not because I have evil siblings, but your brain gets it. Your brain understands. Uh, but she's also like, she's she's very very creative athletically and combatively but also in how she manipulates and operates there's something about that that haunts inner sean's dreams in in a good way in a way that makes her fantastic to watch yeah amongst all these villains she probably is the ah never mind i would not say she's the master manipulator but she is a, a top two Master manip- master of manipulation. Well, manipulation, then, I think. Well, and then when she turns into unhinged Azula later, she's probably like literal the literal word unhinged. She's probably the most unhinged villain when she goes that route. Yeah, at some yeah. point. It's interesting if you think about like comics. Like comics is known to have pretty much every villain is unhinged. Like everyone wants to be a little bit of the Joker. Um, but really, like anime and. And this show really doesn't have that. But if she comes the closest to that, just like, I am out of my mind right now. Evil evil for evil's sake. Not necessarily even for power, just that kind of chaotic bad at a certain point. I would say she has some of the greatest feats. She took over the whole entire Earth Kingdom with just her and her two friends. That's freaking crazy. She pretty much killed the Avatar, something that no one was even coming close to doing. Um, yeah. yeah. She's, she's a well, I mean, yeah, that's, a that's a pin in her book two villain cap. She essentially killed the Avatar. <laughs> it's kind of a big deal as far as book two is concerned specifically. Yeah. What else yeah. is there to say about Azula? She's a, she's a great villain and she's probably the first villain that we've really, most likely, that we've really latched onto in this series. In this universe. That is true. That is true. Yes. Yeah. <clears throat> she was our uh, number three. <laughs> number three is Master Jianju. I like to add the Master Jianju for some reason. Jianju. It's a sign He of is a freaking... Yeah. <laughs> he is... Jianju is like... Not only is he the master manipulator, but he is the master of bending. He's almost disrespectful with his bending. By the way, he was like slapping Kyoshi around and like shut her mouth where she couldn't breathe for a while. And like she felt powerless against him. As if like. There's a, there's a thing that when FC writes, like, Janju kind of, you know, he puts the clamp of Earth on her and he lets it go as if he forgot for a moment. Like her life was like. He made it seem like to her that her life was so meaningless that he just let her live on a whim. But of course, 
Kyoshi's life is the most important thing to him, the life of the Avatar. But man, the way reading that book, I felt Kyoshi's rage of like, we are going to kill this SOB if it's the last thing we do. It's, man, he's such a, he's such a great villain for his skills, right? He's an amazing bender. He is an amazing diplomat and a bad guy since, right? And, and manipulator. But like, he's, he was in the good guy's inner circle. Like, he was the good guy's friend. He was the... He's uh. sort of... Yeah, no, I don't know where else where else to go with it. Like, not, not posing there. It's not like he was a plant. Like, no, he was the good guy. Now, we don't necessarily know all the things he was pulling behind the scenes until we get the Kurok novel that that uh, that I don't want, personally. Um, not when there's a... Sure, I don't. I, I don't want a Kurok novel. He's good. He's yeah. done. But we don't know what he's doing. But, but he's like he's legitimately inside the good guy's inner circle. It would be like if and Snape... he still wants to be good. Yeah, he's, be like... I'm sorry. It's not that it's not that he wants to be good. He wants to aid the Avatar. He's that is good. Stupid he's villainy. He's kind of white lotus. He's yes. like a classic white lotus guy. Like I'm just gonna pull strings and levers, and if they die, they die. Whatever. Betterment. No, he's if Snape I, turned out to actually be evil, that's what John John uh, is. Okay. Right? Like the plant, but is he good? But is he bad? But oh yeah, wait, no, he's oh shit, he is bad. How about that? Um throwing out all the Harry Potter references today. But then on top of that, again, we're getting lost in this kind of in the kind of game that he's playing, but in reality he's also just a terrifyingly good bender. Yeah, he's freaking menacing. Like when, when the flying opera company is like, "Oh, who that Shishu was after you? Who are you running from?" Just like, all right, I'll be honest, I'm running from John Jr. And they're like, "A grave digger? You're, um, what the hell? Like, um, all right, let's we got to get out of here." <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's crazy. Um, and he was so unique when we when we read the books. I can't think of his the first time we read the books, I can't think of a time where we had a villain that you know, in this case, like or well we've talked about Yoon and, and maybe some Yang Chin villains that are kind of morally not defensible, but you totally get it. But but to this point, have we had a bad guy that was literally so firmly in the circle or the in the intention of I'll say greater good? I, maybe? No. No that really I don't, I don't think I, so. I'm like just he maybe one of the two or three people remaining on our list, but but uh, no. But to me, him. like his his intention, his end goal matches what the Avatar's end goal would be of of world peace, imbalance, and everything that the Avatar would want. But the Avatar just... ways, and not one of these other villains that we may or may not talk about. Ways, right? He's like, I like, I want the Avatar to do it the Avatar way. I'm just gonna facilitate that with murder. Yeah. <laughs> Lots of if, if I got to murder, if I got to murder a room full of diplomats and stuff, and possibly kill my best friend, and even poison myself. Hope you know it happens. Yeah. It's part <laughs> of the job. He's <laughs> dedicated. Dedicated servant to the Avatar. Yeah. Oh, and his motivation is his motivation is crazy because he felt so bad that he didn't he could not make 
Cork the avatar that Cork needed to be because Cork died at 33. He was a go with the flow type avatar. He felt responsible, so he had to try to make amends for that. He's motivated by a sort of loyal friendship, like a legitimate yeah. one, you know? Isn't that weird? Yeah. That's messing with my mind all over yeah. again. Great, great writing, FC. We yeah. will miss. Still, still his, his best work. work. Yeah, that first one. Still his best work. FC. It is, yeah. Thank you for all your works, but in particular for that one. Chris, let's do number two. You know what? I have a proposition, Chris. I'd say let's do the two. Let's do. I said the honorable mentions. Honorable mentions very lightly. We're just gonna throw them out there right now, and then we'll do two and one. Because when we say two, it's gonna. I like. Be I like. I like. I like this idea. Yes. Yeah. So honorable mentions. We just wanted to throw out that, like, in the first, in the first Yang Chen novel, unanimity is kind of the bad guys, but they're just mercenaries. They're just working for money. Zongdu Henshi, I think, is his name. It's kind of the bad yeah. guy, but even he is sort of a pawn that kind of messed up somebody else's game. There's not really a great bad guy to to pinpoint for the first Yang Chen novel. So honorable mention at best, however, Zongdu Henshi, I guess. Um, that's really it. We just wanted to call out that we, yeah. we did not forget that book. We just don't give Zongdu Henshi that kind of credit because like, he just jumped into somebody else's plane and messed it up. That's all he did. Yeah, he messed up Chasey's plan. Yeah, Chasey's plan. And then, mm-hmm. and then he went to jail, and then he died, and that's his whole—that's his whole villain story. Like, there's nothing there. So, yep, he's a good honorable mention. And unanimity is just mercenaries. They're not—I mean, they're bad guys in that sense. But okay, they—they they took a payment for a job. Like that's it. So, uh, Chris, no. let's do number two, and that will probably kind of reveal number one. I'll take number two. Who is? Uh. Little drum roll. It's Zaheer. We chose Zaheer at number two. Uh, hardest choice in the list, but I think we're both. I think we're both in total agreement that a it's very hard, but b that we got it in the right order. And when you're talking about great motives, it, he's he's quotable. His motives are great. Or his methods are chaotic because that's what I mean. That's what makes him bad. His methods are bad and chaotic and slightly murderous and maybe not caring about the individual's lives. Uh, there's something about being quotable. There's something about being an airbender in particular that makes it so much better than yeah, any other almost, any type. Almost a perversion of an element yeah. that we've uh, never seen before. And the fact that he goes from non-bender to airbender, uh, he the fact that he's a tremendous martial artist and the way that he picks up his airbending almost immediately and it just kind of plays in cahoots with his tremendous martial arts skill. Um gosh great backstory great bad guy group and leader and he does things that you cheer for is the wrong word it's not like it's not like zuko beating zhao in a fight he murders the earth queen uh, cheer for is the wrong word but you're still like there's a little part of you inside that's like oh you know like uh, <laughs> like she was she was keeping money from her people. She, she was being uh, a jerk to Cora. He, he's I America. did not miss her. He's America. She's England. You know, and you just kind of shrug your shoulders a little. Like I said, cheer for the murder is kind of the wrong way to put it, but frame it politically. And it's like, okay, uh, man, he's. I'd say he's peak villain. Obviously, he's not like our number number one one peak, but it's so close. He's he's a he's an amazing villain. 
and an amazing character, top to bottom. He is completely engaging. It does things. It's funny. I, th- I think while while Zaheer is from physically formidable, um, you know, top three airbenders of all time can actually fly. I think it's his quotes that 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 puts him above the most for me. Because, like, the first time we meet him, he's quoting Gorilla Hima, and we don't know who the heck Gorilla Hima is. No. He, he says... more about airbending than we do. Yeah. And he's like... He says something to to the guards. <laughs> I'm pretty much like... Expectations. My expectations. Something, something like that. I wish I could quote it, because... When that introduction was amazing, not only the, the quotes and stuff... And then he kicked all their butts and stuff. Uh, and then just like went off of the platform thing. Um, and then his quotes to the Earth Queen while he's killing her were just like, Do you, you think freedom is something that can go and come and go as a whim? But to your people, it's as important as air. And without Christ. it, there is only death. No, he says there's only darkness. Like, Holy crap! It's the coolest she is... thing to happen in the series at that point. The coolest thing, hundred percent. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. Chris, I have um, I have a little more logic as to like our two one decision, but I think it's better saved. What I'm thinking about at least right now for like number one, and then why I feel the way I do. Okay. Yeah. So hold on, hold on to that. Uh, anything else to add about Zaheer? Just a freaking great villain. Um, also his his motivations of chaos because chaos is the only fair thing in the world that's really interesting and especially when it comes back in book four where it's like the order that Kuvira has is is too threatening to the world i have to help or get over this it's it's interesting when he talks to Korra. he's like that poison should have killed you like you are stronger than you think than, than you actually know so he's a really compelling villain Greatly voiced by, um, oh my gosh, I'm blanking on his name, Henry Rollins. Yes, Henry Rollins. Um, greatly voiced by him. Like he adds so much, so much to it. I will. I will finish my additional comments after you announce the the number one villain. All right, the number one villain, without a doubt, is, um. Noah Talk, aka Amon. Uh, Amon is—he's absolutely, I think, the most terrifying villain there is. Like he is almost spooky, like a spirit. Like even before Cora faced him, just hearing him over the, the radio shook her, and she was having nightmares about this guy before meeting him. Just the threat of that he can take away your bending. Is it's so frightening? Um, and he has some great quotes as well. You know, I always often think about how he talks about how he's the revolution uh, and whatnot. Um, he is the most formidable villain, without a doubt. He is probably the strongest person that is not an avatar, and uh, he, he's really creepy. Like that mask, character design wise. 
I think the best character design of all the villains. And it's interesting because it's pretty simplistic. I just like, alright, like I I know it's simplistic. I freaking created recreated the cosplay. I'm like, oh yeah, this ain't that thing. Looks it's great. not like that hard. Uh that's a great character design. The two things in my mind, I'm sitting here trying to decide. Well, Sean, it feels right to put them on over as a here, but why? What's the what's the things? I, I came up with two in the past couple minutes. Number one is that Zaheer feels like a vehicle for chaos. Like, yeah, I know that he is a, a bad guy, but he's like, he's the means where the ends is not like him in power. The ends is just the, yeah. the, the rebirth uh-huh. that comes from chaos. And then number two is just that air of like, that just the air of uh, maybe it's aided by having fewer episodes and being more contained in Republic City. But the air of terror that occurs just by having Amon like so close, like Amon feels completely present in every episode of Book One in a scary way. It's like watching a psychological thriller at certain points in season one, but for you know, for younger people, but it does. Whereas Book Three, you don't, you know, you know, at one point in Book Three, like Zahir's just there with their family, you know what I mean? So it, it, it's, yeah. That those are the reasons that I can come up with that why Amon for all the reasons that you said and reasons that we've doted upon previously is a horrifying person <laughs> in his engaging motives and his terrifying methods. Uh you know, to, today is uh Friday the thirteenth, I was recording this in October. And he does very much have some uh Jason kind of vibes, you know, with the mask, terif- doesn't have to be there to terrify you, but That's just the, the threat. Jason is in those movies, in the in the good ones, not necessarily the bad ones, is it feels like he is everywhere in the camp, right? It feels like he could be anywhere in the camp at any point in time. Mm-hmm. Like, you don't... That's what Amon feels like inside of Republic City, just like he's toying with Korra, clearly. It's horrifying. No, that's, no, that's a great point that, yeah, uh, it's, it's funny because it's a great point you made that it takes place all within Republic City. Because, uh, yeah, because once you confine it to an area where you are bound to it, it, it makes it a lot more claustrophobic, like a even though it's a, yeah, even though it's a you know, huge freaking city. Mm. And that's what like I, it's probably aided slightly by having fewer episodes, uh, but I would also counter with, oh, well, they told a great story with less time to tell it in." So that's they might have they have the same. No, it's isn't close. the first season? I think twelve, and the uh, season three might be twelve also. episodes. Okay, I thought it was more. My mistake. Okay. I was thinking it was more, but. Aman, listen, I know we listen, we talk about him a lot in respectful tones of, of villainy, but there's not a lot of villains out there. Yeah. I don't even I mentioned Sorry, I mentioned Umbridge earlier, right? And like there's certain villains that you're supposed to hate, right? Uh but like he doesn't even have that like it doesn't piss me off to see him just existing on screen. Like he's not intentionally like pushing your buttons. Yeah. That not no cheap outs. crazy Chris final thoughts I don't have any final thoughts 
it's interesting when I made this list, it didn't take me that long. I didn't make that many changes to it. Um, I'm, I'm, I am pretty good with this list. You want to run through it again? Yeah, let's do that. 1211 Zhao, 10 Ozai, 9 Zuko, 8 Yoon, 7 Unalak and Vatu, 6 Chaisi, 5 Kuvira, 4 Azula, 3 Janju, 2 Zahir, 1 Aman. I'm always happy when we're done with our list, right? Because we talk through it, we logic it. Like, I usually feel good going in, right? And then when you logic it out, it just feels better. But even, yeah, as I look through here, I just, I don't even know what you would change. I can't think of any reason why you'd change anything. I think it came out very nicely. We've scienced it. Uh, but next time, like, well, not literally next time, but some point in the future, we'll rank we'll rank all like villains grouped by the book, both in the TV series since or the literal book since. And Man, you know what? It would be, be interesting where the first Kyoshi novel will rank. Right, because well, if I a, get to consider. If I get to consider unanimity plus, well, I don't want to give it away, but because we we mentioned unanimity plus Zongdu Henshi, not a great setup, right? But okay, what about Yellow Neck Guy and uh, Pirate Queen uh, and and Janju? Oh yeah, yeah. I, I mentioned before that oh, I'm sorry, having no, no, to I'm mixing and matching books in my head. Sorry, first Kyoshi novel. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. I think the Kyo, the first Kyoshi novel. Sorry, I'm mixing books. The first Kyoshi novel is, in my mind, what would rival the presumed Ooh. favorite. In my Ooh, mind. Ooh, that's interesting. Yeah, because that, you got Tagaka the Pirate Queen, which I absolutely freaking love her. I, you know, when I was making them, before I was actually sorting lists, I was just writing down villain names. Mm-hmm. And then when I came up with the criteria, of like, all right, well, it has to be like a main villain. And she's clearly not the main villain of, of Kyoshi novel. Taking just taking her off. Also, I was Chris, like, yeah. is she really that much of a villain? I mean, she is, but like, she kidnapped those people. Well, it was holding them hostage. Okay, I have a good <laughs> argument against that. Um, yeah, that'll be great. Kyoshi, ooh. well, and even Kyoshi in the first one, I know that Yoon's not exactly a villain, but he does show up at the end and kill Jianju. So like. He's a murderer by the end of the first. Uh, I wouldn't. I wouldn't put him in there. He was. It was so weird. You had no idea what his intentions were. He it was. was just. Yeah. How do you feel about the small child that uh, that Kyoshi's supposed to kill uh, as being a bad guy? He's a political villain. He's he's so. He he has no knowledge. He's so young. I don't think he even knows. That's like. Blaming my kids when they don't want to share a toy. Like, what do they know? And I still blame them. Like, can't you guys just freaking share? It's not that freaking hard. Why do I have to come in here? Says the and <laughs> and dictate. All right, well, you take fifteen minutes. You take me. Just figure it out. Like, anyway. Honestly, I wish kids would understand that the right answer is always. Can you just go find a different toy? There's a billion of them laying around because the kids live in this house, right? Like, just go find one. <sighs> but anyway, yes, great list. Great work. Everybody, thanks for listening. Please leave us any form of interaction that you're willing. We're very grateful for all of it. Those reviews, subs, comments, likes, whatever it's called on various platforms. Interact with us, please. I'll leave the description of how to do that 
down in the description. Yeah. That was redundant. Let us know. Let us know how you rank the villains. Please, yeah. Tell us. Tell us where we where we aired and how you do it. And that's it. That's all for me. I'm going to bed. I'm tired. Me too, maybe. This has been Avatar The Last Podcasters. I'm Sean. That's Chris Ford. We'll talk to you next time. Thank you very much. We will not talk to you next time. We will talk at you. This is a one-way street. Oh, fun. I'm going